0: Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue from the Bible on darkness and light. Today's message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's a few highlights from our study yesterday.
1: We need to be like the Spirit of God and hover and take time. Everyone has a different set of circumstances that drive their need to the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to find out what those are. If it's his mission, guess what? It's our mission. As my Father has sent me, so send I you. That's our mission. So we we have to first of all ask the question to ourselves, have we went to go look for the lost? Step one is to listen, look and listen. Ask questions that will draw out.
0: Now here's Tom Cantor. Continuing in today's study.
1: Step two, the art of hovering is to let the need penetrate. Let the need penetrate. You're not just Walter Cronkite out there trying to interview and get a lot of information out, but let the need penetrate. Penetrate. That's the second step of hovering. You get that impression here. When the Spirit of God is moving on the face of the water, it's not rhythmic. but he can say, oh, no, there's darkness here. It's void. And, you know, that was a penetration of the need. And so uh, don't just see and hear the problems of the lost. Be like the Savior who in Isaiah, 50, Isaiah 53, 4, he, it said of him, surely he hath carried our sorry, he hath borne our griefs, he hath carried our sorrows. He, 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 he hath borne our griefs on his shoulders. I have a bad back, I can't carry much stuff, but anyway, nevertheless, uh, you know, since uh, carried th- on his shoulders, any no, he bore them on our shoulders, and he carried our sorrows. He carried them, it was tough, it was heavy, it was very heavy. It says he was oppressed because we have a lot of sorrows. Now, take the burdens of the lost on your heart. Do that. Take bear their griefs, carry their sorrows. That's why the great high priest Aaron had the names of the tribes of Israel engraven on the breastplate. There were twelve different stones, and he wore this breastplate, and he had the names of the tribes of Israel. Engraven on his on his breastplate. Why, he was he was bearing their griefs. So in other words, in, in Isaiah, uh, sorry, Exodus twenty eight thirty says, "And thou shalt put the breastplate, and they shall be upon Aaron's heart when he goeth in before the Lord." That's on the heart. Carry. And then, furthermore, if that is, it wasn't even enough. God said that we are to carry the burdens of the lost on our shoulders. That's why Aaron, the high priest, had the names on those two stones on his shoulders that were engraven. They were there, and it says in Exodus 28, 12, And thou shalt put the two stones upon the shoulders of the ephod, for stones of memorial, unto the children of Israel. And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord upon his two shoulders for a memorial bearing and carrying and bearing and carrying and bearing and carrying that that's what the lord that's what our master did does and that's what the high priest showed and that's what god calls us to do bearing and carrying this last monday and tuesday i spent two days with a, with a precious lost soul and 10 hours of listening to him and going through scriptures and i was exhausted and so there at that, that, that night at 2.30 in the morning, I was up and I was tired. I wanted to sleep, but I was up with a deep concern for his soul, deep concern for his soul. I was glad to hear that he, that he didn't go to sleep till three o'clock in the morning. At least we <laughs> overlapped by a half hour. But anyway, but, but Paul said in Galatians 4.19, my little children, so what he said, my little children tender." My little children of whom I travail in birth again, he says again, in other words, I already did it once, but i 'm keep doing it. He says, my little children of, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. He talked about being travail, Christ be formed in you isaiah fifty three eleven it speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ in the travail of his soul, the travail of his soul. Someone's got to travail in order for there to be a baby born. And we say, that takes a lot of time and a lot of energy to worry about all these people's lostnesses. And I I thought all I had to do was just memorize four simple spiritual laws. Get a few scriptures down and there you go. What are you talking about? What do you this all this stuff takes time and it takes energy. Well, welcome to God's labor and delivery rooms. And your room is right there, room 201. Have a nice labor and delivery. So, that's what the work is. That's what evangelism is. And so now, the step 3. Step 3, what we see and in, in, in what God did, what we, God, what we can learn from, step three, meet the need. Meet the need, which God did. You just say, oh, man, look at that. There's a need. It's really penetrated to me. I'm going to go away and just worry about it. No, God met the need. He met the need, and he met the need with his words. It's his words, it's the need w- that was met was, and God said, and God said, after you listen, after you hear the need, don't do nothing. Do something. And be like God. He met the need with his word. So meet the need with God's word, with the Bible, specifically. You know, the Bible, I don't know, the Bible, there's many ways to think about the Bible. My my dad was a doctor in in, in the old days. I guess you can say the old days now. I, I remember, because I was born in 1950. Some of you were born before me, but that's all right. Anyway, and, and, and I remember, you know, he, he used to do house calls. Can you imagine an obstetrician, gynecologist doing house calls? But he did. For just for a short time, because that all went out. Anyway, and he had this medicine bag, and I was a little kid. I said, "Wow, look at that!" You know, and never to let me get into his medicine bags. Black. But you ever, how many of you ever seen a doctor's medicine bag? You don't know, see them. a few of you have. Just the older people. <laughs> so, right? Because you no, know, well, there's no medicine bags. <laughs> it's like you know, because doctors don't do health. Never. Did. Anyway, he had this medicine bag, and he and he had all the stuff in there, and 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 uh, you. you, you you wouldn't think much of a doctor who carried this big medicine bag around and he just had, like, aspirin in it, you know. <laughs> so what's your problem? I got just the thing. Here you go. Take these twice a day. You'll be fine. So you wouldn't think much of that, right? Or like the big, fat Greek wedding, Windex, you know, everything. is <laughs> What's the problem? Windex cures everything. You know? <laughs> the <laughs> Bible's a book, big book. Bible's a big book. And the Bible's got a lot of remedies in it. This is a big medicine bag. It's a big, big medicine bag right here. So when you go and you, you're with the lost, you've got a big medicine bag. Make a good choice. Make a good choice. Think about what the person has said and select a scripture that's the right medicine. The right, the right uh, choice of scripture is very important. Step four, what God did. Take time to contemplate. He saw the light. Take time to contemplate if the, if the remedy was good. Again, he's not wasting words here. Of course God saw the light. He sees everything. But it says here, he saw the light. He saw the light in verse 4. What's that saying to us? He took time to, to, to look at it. You know, a good doctor who's not arrogant He takes time to review and think if he gave the right medicine. A great doctor like Dr. I forgot his name now. Anyway, uh, he used to, when you'd go to see him here in La Mesa, he would would call you back at night. Can you imagine such a doctor? He himself would call you back at night and ask, how's it going? And. You know, that's a great doctor. My wife and I went to a doctor, she has an eye problem, for an eye, and the doctor prescribed an MRI and told her that it was going to be done on this date, and two days within two days, he was going to call her as soon as it finished and go over with her on the phone. So a week goes by after it's done, and she's, we've heard nothing, so we made an appointment. And we went back and we, and we, and, and, uh, to ask about what he saw, ask about the MRI, And we get in the meeting, and he says, oh, did you have, first of all, he says, what are you here for? (laughs) That was the first thing we knew we were in trouble. And the second question was, oh, did you have an MRI? All right. So now, he says, let me look at it. All right, so take time to consider if the best scripture was given for that lost person, and if it wasn't, go back and give another one. I've been thinking about this, and I wanted to bring this to your, to your attention. And step five, God came to a conclusion. He came to a conclusion. He concluded that the light was good, and, that, and that's what we should do, too. Now, that's how God works in, worked in creation. That's how God works today. That's how God wants us to work in bringing the light to the lost, and bringing the gospel to the lost, who are in darkness. Can you say with the Lord Jesus Christ in John 5, 17, my father worketh hitherto and I work? What did he mean? He meant not only they're both working, but they're working in the same way. And so when we see here in creation, we see how God is working. God wants us to be working that way. Can you say, I know He wants me to do his work of reaching the lost, and I've seen this morning from this passage here in Genesis 1 how God is the perfectionist potter. He works, and I'll work the same way. Okay, take-home messages. Now you know I'm going to ask you next morning. All right, now, last week, as we said, we finished, we finished at verse 2 with the terrible words, darkness, darkness was on the face of the earth. We've seen that was a great concern to God. He hovered over it and so forth. We've seen, we've seen how they, he, he, was, he was taking a great interest. And before the words of verse 3, we, 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 God saw the great need for the light. So God met that need. And he met it, as we've seen, with a, with a command. He met that need and he said, let there be light. That's actually not the most amazing part of that verse. The most amazing part is the second part. And there was light, right? Anyway, that's what makes God, God. That's what makes him God. That there is something that happens when he says that his word comes with results, that his word comes with power because God's words are reliable, that's what makes God God. That's how we know it's God that when he speaks then it happens. I have a friend named Sasha and He's, uh, he always told me, he says, don't call me Russian. I'm not Russian. I said, well, what do you mean you're not Russian? You're from Russia. He says, I'm Jewish. And in Russia, he's, and he shows that his passport shows that, see that big thing there that's, that says Hebrew. And so we are never identified as Russians. We are Jews. Anyway, I still call him my dear Russian friend, but Sasha. And for years, he's been telling me, He says, the Bible is full of fairy tales. Tom, fairy tales, he says to me. Fairy tales. For years, I've been telling Sasha just one thing. Sasha, try it. Sasha, try it. Put it to the test. What does it say in Psalm 34, 8? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are all they who put their trust in him. What does the taste and see mean? Put their trust in him. What does it mean to put their trust in him? To taste and see. That's what it says. So what, the second part of that verse is so vitally important. Now, to taste and see is to put your trust. I said, Sasha, I said, put your trust in him. Taste and see. Everyone has all kinds of excuses for not trusting the Lord Jesus Christ and seeing. And God says, "Taste and see." I remember uh, one Sunday, Cheryl and I were we found ourselves in Nice, France, and we were looking for this, trying to find this Bible-believing church, and it was kind of hidden down this little um, place. And and there was one little sign there, and it didn't say church; it just named the name of their meeting, and it was called Vienevoile. It says, uh, "Come and see." <laughs> that was the name of the place. Come and see. That's exactly what God is saying here. Taste and see. Come and see. And that's God's answer. Now, turn, if you would, as we're considering this, to 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. I don't know why I turn in my Bible to find it. I have it written down in my notes. But I do that to encourage you to turn. There we go. Anyway, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. By the way, did you notice my Bible has, has been uh, been repaired here? The tape. it's all been taped, and I've done something which I resisted doing for 40 years, and that was that. Was that pastor, but I broke down. Pastor Jim had an old, worn-out Bible, and he he discovered shoe goo, and he 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 put his Bible back together with shoe goo, and I said, you can't put a Bible back with shoe goo. That's too unholy. But uh, so I never did that, but. Guess what? When I get to heaven, I'll be able to tell them. I, I, I put my Bible back together with Shugu. Anyway, that has nothing to do with anything. I'm sorry. All right, so 2 Corinthians 4.6. 2 Corinthians 4.6. For God, and this is pointing back to the passage here in Genesis. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to do what? To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, where? In the face of Jesus Christ. Just as He made the earth and, you, and cared for the earth, and He saw the darkness that was in the earth, and because He cared, He hovered over the earth and in the darkness, and He knew the earth needed light, and with a command, He brought the light to the earth in exactly the same way, exactly the same way. That's what it means when it says, For as God. He made every lost sinner. He made every lost sinner. Lost sinners didn't evolve, and lost sinners didn't sprout. They were made by the fingers of God. Every single lost sinner was made by the fingers of God. And He cares for everything He's made, He cares for His lost sinners part of his creation he cares and he sees the darkness just like you saw the darkness on the earth he sees the darkness in the heart of every lost sinner he made and cares for and he hovers he hovers over every lost sinner in their darkness and he knows that every lost sinner needs light. See the parallel with, with, uh, with uh, Genesis 1? All of that. He made the earth. He cares for the earth. He hover- saw the darkness, he, the earth. He hovered over the earth. He knows the earth needed light. That's where it all stands. But here's the difference. The difference is this.
0: Lost sinners are not earth. I thought the whole issue with the Sabbath is that God stopped working. What is God working at today? Right. Well, the Sabbath,
1: or the seventh day, was symbolic of God stopping to work on the creation. The creation was done. But it didn't take long to get to chapter 3 of Genesis when man sinned. And then God immediately went to work on redemption. And so in John chapter 5, verse 17, when the Lord Jesus Christ said, My Father worketh hitherto, and I work... That was explaining to us that there's a great work which is going on, and even still, even though the work of redemption was done on the cross, nevertheless, the effect of that work, which is more work, in other words, bringing lost sinners to the Lord Jesus Christ, is still going on. So we really ought to look at this verse in John five seventeen and say, this verse says, the Father works, and the Lord Jesus Christ works, and this verse means to me, and I'm going to work too. Work at what? At bringing lost sinners to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what God is working at. He said he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And it says in, in Romans, the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. So part of his work is to lead lost sinners to repentance. Part of his work is to send forth The word of invitation, the word of gospel to bring lost sinners to repentance. Part of his work is to to strive with man, as he says in Genesis 6. My spirit shall not always strive. He strives with man. He he makes great efforts to keep man from committing sin, to keep man from burying himself, to, to bring lost sinners to himself so they can become children of God, so they can be born Born again, so they can be taught of God, so they can have a destiny by God. All of these things is great, great work, and the Lord Jesus Christ is involved in that work. And to become a follower and a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ is to enter into his work. It's to receive the invitation from him. It's to realize that we are like lights that shine in the world. Among the Jewish people, among the non-Jewish people, what does the light for? To bring them, to bring them out of darkness into
0: his marvelous light. You made the statement in today's teaching that what makes God, God, is that what he says will happen actually does happen. Now, what if our, one of our listeners um, says, what difference does it make for me? What would you say to that?
1: Well... It's really, really important to know that you don't want to call God's bluff. You don't want to say to God, you know what? Show me. I don't believe that you're going to do what you said. You don't want to do that. Because this earth is littered with the bones of those who said that, who called God's bluff. And you don't want to be those who said, I'll roll the dice and take my chances. You don't want to do that. Because we have evidence that God is true even when man challenges him. It's going to happen that's the way he said. In 2 Thessalonians 1, through 7-9, Paul speaks to those believers and says, And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus Christ shall be revealed from heaven... "...with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power." You know how the gospel is described here? It's described as a command because it says that you they didn't obey the command. They obeyed not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, people, we so often say, well, the gospel is a take or leave it affair. Maybe I'll take it. No, 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 no. God says, I am commanding you to obey the gospel, to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And if you don't, then you're going to be guilty of breaking the One of the greatest commandments in the Bible, which is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. That's a command. That's the gospel. And if you don't obey his command, then you're calling God's bluff. And God says, don't do that. Don't do that. Because what makes God God is that what he says actually, that what he says will happen actually does happen. And he says here that if a person does not, obey the gospel and receive the Lord Jesus Christ as a personal Lord and Savior, that they're going to be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. And that's a promise of God that no one should, should, should be found to break that commandment to not obey the gospel.
0: And Tom, you also talked about man having the power to choose. Does man really have Man power has to power choose. to
1: choose because God gave him power to choose. God set this up. He says, I am going to make a man in our image. And part of what that means is that the image of God is the ability to choose. And so God gave to man the ability to choose. You, you might say he crowned him with the sovereignty of choice. And then having given him that ability to choose, he sets before him the choice, the options. He set before Joshua. He said uh, he said, Joshua, I want you to speak this, and Joshua did speak this to the Jewish people. Joshua said, If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What was Joshua saying? Joshua was saying, we have chosen to serve the Lord. We choose to serve the Lord. And so that's why he said to the Jewish people, now you choose. We chose, now you choose. Which way do you want to go? As a little a chorus that we sometimes teach little kids. What will you do with Jesus? What will your answer be? Someday you will be asking, what will he do with me? Another place Moses, our, our teacher, told us in Deuteronomy 30, 19, he said, God says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. See what God did? He said, I've given you the power to choose, and then I put the choice before you. Choice of what? Life and death. What do you mean? Come to the Lord Jesus Christ, the God of life, and receive life through the blood of his cross, or death, walk away like Cain, and go out from the presence of God. Blessing, the blessing of the Lord that makes rich by being saved, or cursing. Therefore, he says, choose life, he says, so that you can see live and your seed can live.
0: Thank you for joining us today. Tomorrow, Tom Cantor will continue from our study in the Bible. If you'd like to learn more about Tom Cantor or Israel Restoration Ministries, visit our websites at friendshipwithgod.org or israelrestoration.org There you'll find more resources to help you with your friendship with God. You can also contact us directly by phone at 1-800-247-3051 We can send you a copy of today's broadcast and we'd like to hear more from you about what you like about friendship with God You can also find us on Facebook and receive a daily devotional from Tom Cantor. You can also email Tom Cantor at Cantor at God. Thank you for listening, and join us again tomorrow at the same time.